And as I was praying over what I wanted to preach on, and this verse came to my mind, and then I noticed it was actually in the daily prayer, uh, if you pick up our little daily bread prayer guides in the back, it was in there this last, this last week, so that was fortuitous, uh, and, uh, or divinely arranged, however you think of it. And that is Genesis 1. Real easy to pick it up. Open your Bibles, flip open your phones. You don't have to think about, you don't have to go to the table of contents. It's the first page of your Bible. The first verses of the first page of your Bible. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this a couple times. And um, I want to read it, I'm going to read it twice and then I'm going to talk about it. Because I want us to get this, these verses inside of us. I want us to really get these things in, in us. So I'm going to read Genesis 1, 1 through 5. But let's pray first. Lord, uh, we lift up to you this time. God, a time to worship you and a time to hear from you. And we ask that you would speak to us and open our hearts to receive what you have for us. In your name, Lord. Amen. All right, let's go to Genesis 1. This is what it says. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. I'm going to read it one more time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. We want to get that inside of us. Now, oftentimes when we preach on this passage, and I don't want to diminish other people's preaching, but oftentimes I notice when we go to this passage in, in small groups or in sermons or whatnot, we immediately deal with the idea of creation. And I think that's because oftentimes when we read Scripture, we push a lot of our anxiety into Scripture we want scripture to, to, to answer all of our anxious thoughts. What about creation? What about, was it in seven 24-hour days? Was it in seven eras? Was it, was it, did God use evolution or did he do it you know, out of nothing? Or how did that work? How did creation work? And I think that sometimes we kind of get away from the actual verse itself. We're so busy trying to answer our own questions that we sort of neglect this passage itself, right? So we're not going to be talking about evolution this morning, and I apologize if that's interesting to you. We're going to talk about this, maybe uh, when we get back together on a Wednesday night, I'd be happy to talk to you about that, um, but we're not going to talk about it. If you went to the original author of this passage and you said to them, hey, do you believe in evolution? Do you know what they would say to you? They would say, I don't know what you're talking about. What is evolution? Right? To them, to the person who wrote this passage, was Moses or somebody else at that time period, has no idea about that problem. And doesn't care, doesn't care about that problem. So let's deal with this text as it is, all right? All right, you're with me, I know it. What matters the most, what matters to the author of this text, what matters to us as Christians is these words. In the beginning, God 
created the heavens and the earth. God created. God created the heavens and the earth. And that's the first words in our Apostles' Creed. In fact, pretty soon we'll be offering another class for baptism and then a class for membership. And as a part of our classes, you have to read through and agree with the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed was a first century creed written by Christians who wanted to capture what it is that Christians believe. And the first words of the creed are this, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God as a creator means two things for us. The first thing, it means that creativity, the creative act, is a part of God's essential character. It's part of who he is. God's a creative God. He loves to create things. We love to create things because we follow God in those characteristics. We have this impulse in us. We like to mold our environment. Just look at the world around us, what we have done. Right? We've built a building here with walls and windows, and it's insulated, and it has uh, air conditioning, and it has heating, and all this stuff. We mold our environments. We create environments for ourselves. Right? Uh, for Mother's Day, I was requested to create a raised bed in our yard. And let me tell you something. I did not do well <laughs> with our raised bed. I am not a good creator of raised beds, but I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed doing it. I did have to cut each piece of wood twice, though, because I'd cut it once, and I'd nail it together, and then I'd be like four inches off. How is that possible? So I'd take it all apart, recut it, put it back on there. The next piece of wood, I'd cut, put it on there. It's also four inches apart. So I think there's something wrong with my saw um, or possibly my measuring tape. Um, but we all, try, we all try and create things. We all love to create things, and in that we follow God. God is imaginative. God is playful in his creation. He creates things that are beautiful, and his creativity is marked by goodness. Our creativity lacks that, right? We create raised beds that do not align properly. We create weapons to hurt each other with. Some of the greatest advancements in the last century have been in the art of warfare, and how can we destroy more people or more land more effectively? Um, when we create things, sometimes it's not good. Sometimes it's not good. And I want you to think about your own life. What are the things in your life that you have created? And some things in my life I'm proud of. I'm proud of to have created. I'm proud to have created two and a half children. You know, I'm very proud of that. There's other things in my life I'm not so proud of creating. There's situations that I've created. There's things that I've went about. Some things in my life, relationships, I, I thought it through. You know, I cut my pieces I set it all up, and then when I went to put it all together, it didn't fit. There's some things in my life that I've tried my best to mold and shape and change, and it hasn't worked, or it hasn't worked out well. It hasn't been good. And I acknowledge the fact that even though I follow God, I'm imperfect in how I follow him. And God alone is the good creator, the one who creates all things good. And I'm kind of following after him. So God as a creator reminds us that he is creative. And the second thing that God as a creator reminds us of is that this place, this world that we live in, this is not our place. This is God's place. It's amazing. God creates, right? He says in verse, in, in verse, uh, in verse 1 here, God created the heavens and the earth before he created people. 
He creates the heavens and the earth. Right? In fact, before he created people, he creates animals and plants and all sorts of stuff. We enter into something that has already been created. It's sort of like we're tenants coming into a property that we don't own. We're sort of caretakers of it. God allows us to be here. We don't have a claim to this earth. We, in fact, uh, if you read later in chapter 2, this is a really amazing thing. Chapter 2, verse 7, if you remember this part, God takes dust from the earth and creates humans out of this, creates a man out of the dust. So in a sense, we are made up of material from the earth. Right? God took dirt, fashioned it together, and made us. And I think that sometimes, and this isn't just talking about nature, but this is talking about also my own life. I rule my own life as if it is mine, as if I own all of this, as if I own my life, as if I own this world, as if I, I am the king of this place. I'm the king of my own mind. Right? But here in Genesis 1, we're reminded, you are the king of nothing. You have entered into this. You have been brought into this world. God has given you a place, but this place is not our own. We are not the center of this story. It's something I think that at least my generation needs to hear more and more. I am not the center of this story. We are not the center of this story. God is at the center of the story, and we need to start acting like that. So when Paul talks about, for example, act not in your own self-interests, but look for the interests of others. That's incredibly difficult to do until you remember this is not your world. The story is not about you, and it's not about me either. So God is a creator, and he creates. He creates this world. In the beginning, it says God created the heavens and the earth. Let's go to verse 2 here. It says, Now the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Creation was unformed, it was void, it was empty. Sometimes other translations will say empty. It's dark, and the Spirit of God hovers over the waters. Creation is in process. Creation is in process. The Spirit hovers over the waters, guiding the process of creation. I want to turn to John 16. I want to talk for a little bit about the Spirit of God. You can turn there if you want. I'm going to turn there. John 16, verses 12 through 15. It says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, I sell many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said, the Spirit will come and take what is mine and declare it to you. The Spirit of God abides by the process of transformation, abides over the process of creation, hovers over it, watches it, guides it, and does so in our lives as well. We are all in a process, just like creation is void and formless, lacking substance. So also we come to God void, formless, lacking substance, and the Spirit of God begins to hover over our lives, bringing transformation, guiding us in our journey. This last week we talked in our Wednesday night class, it might have been two weeks ago, about Romans 8, uh, where it says, the Spirit of God intercedes for you. 
with groanings that are too deep to utter because the Spirit knows exactly what you need to speak, what you need to pray. And the Spirit of God guides you in that process. Some of us, I think, in our lives, whether that's in our Christian lives or in our own, our day-to-day lives, we cut ourselves off from the Spirit of God. We don't allow the Spirit to intercede for us. But just like at the beginning of creation, at our most chaotic times, at the times when we feel most void and empty and formless, that's when the Spirit of God begins to hover over us, bringing transformation, bringing restoration, bringing creation, initiating the process of creation and taking us through the process of transformation. So creation... We hear from uh, Genesis 1, creation is God-initiated, right? Creation is something which God initiates, something which God owns. God is at the center of this story, and we are not. But in the process of that, the Spirit of God hovers over us, hovers over creation to transform us, to bring us in line with what God is doing. Verse 3. Verse 3 says, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And I think that there's a lot of parallelism here going on. God says, let there be light, and there is light. God speaks creation into existence. In John 1, we read that uh, John the Apostle says that through Christ, all things were made. Everything that was made came through Christ. And he calls Christ the Word. Jesus is the Word of God. And when God speaks forth his word, things start to happen. Things start to change. When Jesus is spoken forth in our lives, in our communities, in our houses, in our schools, things start to change. Because the word of God is the initiation of creation. The Son of God is the hands through which God touches creation. From creation to revelation, it's the Son of God through whom God molds and shapes the world. And even here at our Foursquare Church, right, we believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior and the baptizing of the Holy Spirit and our healer and our soon-coming King. I'm pretty sure those are supposed to be switched. Healer is supposed to be second, I think. That's okay. If, if, if our Foursquare president comes in, we'll, we can change that. Yeah. But Jesus is the one by whom God works in this world. The Spirit and the Spirit observes the process. It's the power of the Spirit that brings that process to us. But Jesus is the conduit through which God works among us. Remember, we talked about this last series, through Christ. Through Christ, God has done something in the world. Through Christ, empowered by the Spirit of God, God is doing something in your lives and in our community's lives. Right? So verse 3, God speaks a word. He says, let there be light, and there is light. Verse 4, God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Creation is inherently a good thing. It's a good thing. The world in which we reside, in which we birth, in which we have been brought, is a good world. And I'm happy that we're a part of it, obviously, but I think sometimes we... Uh, can focus so much on the sin that we have introduced into this world that we forget about the fact that this is a good place to be. I'm so glad to be here with you guys this morning. I'm so glad to be in this space together. Right? 
The world is a good place, and it's good to be here. And I want to end, I know this is going to be a a short reflection, it's a short thing, but we're going to have some time to pray about this as well, because I want to spend some time uh, doing some prayer. But in verse 5, this is what it says. I'm going to read this here. It says, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning, the first day. And I think that this is the verse that, you know, in this sermon you might skip over it the most. But this is, I think, one of the most significant verses. Because it, it demonstrates something about God's character. Not only is God a creator, God is a namer. God names things. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And when God names things, he's not just giving them a title, he's giving them an identity. He's giving them a purpose. And God also calls out names over us. Did you know that? God speaks names over his people. You are a royal priesthood, says Peter. A holy people. In Paul, uh, just last week, we t- or two weeks ago, he we said, you are an heir, a co-heir with Christ. God speaks those things out over you. To name you and to designate you with an identity and for a purpose. God is the God who names. So this is not our space. We are tenants in God's property. God has initiated creation. God has brought us about to this place. God has given us our identity and our purpose. In Revelation 21, uh, we read about the end of times. right? And it says, uh, uh, John is describing heaven and he says this. He says, they have no need of a sun or a moon. Because God himself is a light. Our source, our need, our everything is emanating from God and from God's presence. From beginning to end, our existence is held together by God. God, the creator, has molded you, has placed you here for a purpose, for a reason, and with an identity. And we need to discover that. We need to discover that. Do you know why God has created you? Do you know why God has brought you here? We're going to take some time to pray, but first I'm going to read this passage again. And as I do so, I want us to kind of close our eyes and just concentrate a little bit on this. It's a good thing to meditate upon the word of the Lord, by the way. Don't feel, don't feel odd about doing that. Meditating on God's word is a beautiful thing. So would you close your eyes with me? I'm going to pray. I'm going to read through this, and then we're going to pray. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Lord, would you come and speak to our hearts? Creator God, would you come, even now, and begin to speak to hearts and lives here? God, you have created each and every one of these people, each and every one of us, for a purpose. And I pray that you begin to speak words into our hearts. 
I'm going to read this again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Lord, I pray right now that you begin to speak to hearts. I believe that God is going to want, he's wanting to say, I'm, behold, I'm creating something new inside of you. I believe God is at a creative work in our hearts. Jesus, would you come now and touch lives, touch hearts. If you're in need this morning, if you need God's word to come and touch your life, would you just put your hands out in front of you to receive, Lord, by your spirit, would you come?